0: Hey ladies and gents! welcome to the Controlled Insurance Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jared Weich. With me as always is my co-host, Dominic Orlando.
1: Welcome to spooky season, everyone. It's a, it's a joy and a pleasure.
0: Episode 256, you add the numbers 2, 5, and 6, you get 13, unlucky number. It's fitting.
1: I always ask for the, a room on the 13th floor at hotels, if they have... Sometimes I don't even have a 13th floor, it's weird.
0: I always ask for room 69. Uh, Let's go to the cookie (laughs) news. So uh, we have some some sad news to start off with, and we have some other stuff I wanted to talk about regarding Game Pass, Dead Space, and then we have two bigger topics I wanted to focus on, one being PlayStation's focus on remakes and remasters, which is interesting, and then uh, this whole future of CD Projekt Red business, which I also find quite fascinating considering the current state of that studio. So we got some a, a bit of sad news to start off with here, unfortunately, but it is the world and the reality we live in, and that is that four uh, A Games, who are the developers of the Metro series, which in my opinion is one of the most underrated first-person shooter series out there, phenomenal. Um, one of their uh, developers died, specifically an animator. Um, his name is Andrei Korzinkin. Uh, or, yeah, sorry if I mispronounce his name. Um, he was known as Nizrok, which is a pretty dope uh, nickname. Unfortunately, he passed away in action on the 24th of September while defending his country near Mykolaiv City. Um, he joined the armed forces of Ukraine after the war with Russia began. In the early days of the war, he managed to help his parents escape from the city, Uh, uh And they also, 4A Games posted this. I'm reading it from their thing. Uh, we remember him as a talented animator who delighted in Metro Exodus's mutants and creatures. And as a friend who was always positive and calm, we love board games and time uh, who loved board games and time at the gym. Our thoughts are with his family and all defenders of Ukraine. Pretty unfortunate. Um we had heard a couple of development studios having to, you know, face the reality of uh Russia invading Ukraine. And um I think this is one of those things, Dom, where we we can reflect on our time as Americans and be uh you know, we're a little bit um lucky in the sense that the reality is we probably would never really have to deal with something like this where a foreign country invades us and we have to call upon arms to defend ourselves in this way. So anybody in Ukraine who did this brave souls, and it's really cool that he was able to save his family, but man, what a, what a, a sad day. Uh, they actually, even a lot of people were sharing his work. And when they say this guy was talented, it's phenomenal. Uh, the work he did in animation, specifically with, like, a lot of martial arts type movements with, like, Taekwondo, and um, I always forget the name of the Brazilian martial art, where it's, like, a lot of movement. Uh, Eddie Gordo from Tekken's kind of based on it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's real unfortunate. I don't know if you have anything to add here. Just, I wanted to, you know, put a put a perspective on this and, and a spotlight, because it is a yeah. sad reality, right, of the current times.
1: It, it absolutely sad, and that's think it's good to point this out too especially as it relates to uh you know the industry we're always talking about but also just it's been months now i think it was like this all started like towards the beginning of this year and i don't want to like let it go too stale um at least in my consciousness Uh, kind of forgetting about like yeah there's still (laughs) like there's still a a full war being waged um over there for no real reason um but yeah, at least at least there's some things to point out of, yeah, he was able to save his family. That's that's uh um, obviously significant, but this just absolutely sucks
0: to hear. And it it's one of those things too where once again going to us being Americans living on our own like pseudo island of it isn't a daily reality for us whereas people in Ukraine right now and mm-hmm. those surrounding territories it is a daily struggle and daily thing that they have to deal with. And the way the media and news outlets work is it's like on to the next thing on to the next thing and there's a large selection of people who for better or worse have forgotten that this is still currently happening you know right. so it's a bummer um but if you could do anything i would strongly suggest you know his work was in metro exodus and i'm not sure if he worked on the previous metro games but yeah they they're phenomenal uh first person games uh, i love the world that they built with uh metro and uh definitely suggest checking him out um if anything, to, you know, pay homage to a lot of those developers who are currently dealing with stuff that I hope personally I never have to deal with because it's Mm -hmm. awful. Um, Next up, this is going to be a huge tonal shift, so forgive me for that, but there's really no way to transition, unfortunately. Um, We had some Game Pass results. I actually like to talk about this stuff whenever it happens because there's this ongoing conversation of, you know, is Game Pass good for games? Is it bad for games? And I hope we honestly start to see some of this stuff for PlayStation's new uh, program as well and developers talking about it because the more insight we have into these things, the better. Um, so the publisher of Let's Build a Zoo, which is an indie game that recently released on um, Game Pass, and it's a game I played this week, so I, I want to talk about it later when, when we talk about what we've been playing, tweeted the following. It's been a week since Let's Build a Zoo launched on Switch, Game Pass, and PlayStation. Here are some stats. Made $1 million in revenue, now at $3 million total. Over 250,000 players on Game Pass. Our best ever Switch launch, top of the eShop in multiple regions. Our DLC had an attach rate of 80%. That's important to know too because launching with DLC for your game, I know some gamers are like, well, if it's launching with the game, why isn't it just in the game? You know, ignoring the whole business ramifications of stuff like that. But uh, their DLC that they launch with Dom Whenever you start like a Zoo Tycoon or Zoo game, what's the one thing people often ask is like, oh, I wish I could do dinosaurs or this or that. Their DLC is dinosaurs, which is super oh, yeah. smart. So people get into the game, then they realize that you can buy the dinosaur DLC, which is super dope. And they also went on to say, we've had a notable number of people say to us, quote, I played it on Game Pass, then picked it up on Switch because I wanted to play it on the bus, in bed or on the move, etc.' The cross promo between Xbox and Switch has been insane on this one. And that's something we never really talked about people check it out in game pass and oh man i like this game so much i want to pick it up on the go it's available on switch i'm gonna buy it there so not only are they getting the engagement from the player on the game pass platform they're also getting the purchase on a secondary platform which is huge right
1: and i've i've done that only a few times not to i try not to because it's it feels weird spending you know buying a game twice um in that case you're really only buying it once but you get the idea like buying it when you can play it somewhere else already um, but yeah, I, I, I guess I w- it makes sense that that happens a lot, even with, um, I, I assume what also happens a lot is for those uh, Xbox, or sorry, Game Pass Ultimate subscribers, who can actually, who can also access the cloud version, um, maybe playing mobilely that way too, on their phones or things like that, in addition to the, you know, selling extra Switch copies and that kind of thing. So that, yeah, that's an interesting, I mean, we kind of always hear um that the sales numbers of games on Game Pass actually end up going up themselves um, more than they were before, so this is a good, um, more more specific, more anecdotal, you know, example of, of seeing that. So that's pretty cool.
0: And a much smaller game; it's like a smaller indie yeah. title. Because, like, sure, we kind of have a blanket like uh, organization for indie titles, but there's like bigger indies, right, with clear like bigger publishers and smaller indies. And this is a bit on the smaller side, so it's cool to see everybody eating in that way. Next up, I wanted to talk about, uh, there isn't really any news here. I guess there was a new gameplay trailer for Dead Space Remake. But, uh, Shinobi actually went and took some screenshots from this video a YouTuber made. Uh, a YouTuber by the name of, I want to give them credit, give me one second here. Uh, YouTuber Al Analista de Bits, which is Spanish for something. But, uh, I unfortunately don't know Spanish, so it's something bits. Um, and they basically uploaded a comparison video from the original game and the remake. And as you said, before we started recording, the original game actually looks pretty good. Like it holds up for when it came out. Like it doesn't look ugly or hideous by any means. But when you see it in comparison to the work that motive is done on it, it's astounding. Like they didn't just go in and up the the textures and slightly enhance the models. Like there's entire sections of this game that are completely new. Uh, environments, right? It's crazy. Uh, you you took a look at the at the screenshots. What did you think of it, Dom?
1: Yeah, it's a pretty profound difference. And the easy comparison of this comparison is, you know, to the other remake that just came out that uh, the Last of Us Part One, where we kind of looked at that compared to its previous version, where the difference wasn't like you know that remake looked really really great as well, but the difference from the you know the PS4 version of that game wasn't quite as profound as what we're seeing here with dead space which again the original dead space a whole generation older than you know that last remaster of the last of us thus to me justifying the existence of the dead space remake and not only the existence but the 70 dollars price point which is you know still expensive it is still a remake after all but i think this to me is just if I feel way better about buying this remake than I would have buying the Last of Us Part One remake, these we don't have to do this comparison, you know, to, to to the Last of Us, but it's just so fresh and I'm to me this is I get more excited about this than I did the Last of Us. So yeah, the a uh, heck of a job from Motive on this. It looks incredible.
0: Well, and the thing too is we didn't also get um, another like we didn't have a middle remake of right. uh dead space exactly. which we had with last of us yeah that'll be a topic we'll get to shortly but i think the thing here too that uh people for me anyways uh one of the strongest parts of good horror games is the lighting and i think that the lighting is fine in the original dead space like it's not bad by any means but like there's a shot here where it shows isaac standing in the elevator if you want to look at that one whereas like the lighting in the original is like okay that's good but when you look at the remake, it's like, oh, that definitely gives off way more horror vibes and the, di- the dynamic way in which the light is showcased is, I don't know, I, I think it's going to lend itself to a better experience overall. What do you think?
1: Uh, absolutely. That was, the, that was the exact same um, comparison shots that I was looking at that really had me like, oh, that looks, it, it, uh, it does so much to the atmosphere. And like you said, especially in a horror game, that's, that makes a huge difference. It looks so cool. There's like, like a subtle brown fog on the floor. and. Yeah, the way that light comes in from behind him, it just yeah. It it makes a big difference. It's pretty cool.
0: Um, I think too, it had to look impressive because of it releasing so close to Callisto Protocol that in Callisto mm-hmm. Protocol looks really good and I was surprised to see that the actress from The Boys is in it, which I didn't know. Like I knew D- Josh Dumel was in he's the main character, but Carrie Fukuyama, I believe is her name. I I, I might be getting that wrong, but she plays um the the female member of the boys the like basically wolverine in terms of power set uh she's going to be in that game too which i'm excited about um yeah so shout out to dead space remake and motive um this gets me excited for i forget were they rumored to be doing they were rumored to be doing iron man right and but we don't know the studio for black ah, panther i believe is what yes. it is that's right yeah yep. so i'm excited and plus maybe this also gives them more experience in whatever engine they're using for iron man as well it's like a like a tune-up kind of project, you know? I like it's not going to take as much effort to do this as it would to a full-fledged new game, so it does get him comfortable for when they tackle their first ground-up project, too, which is the, what we need to think about. Uh, you mentioned it, Dom. Let's talk about these PlayStation. Uh, this PlayStation focus on remakes and remasters. So, in a rumor reported by Alex Koh and corroborated by Tom Henderson of Windows Central and Insider Gaming, it seems that PlayStation is now remaking, remastering, the original Horizon Zero Dawn, which was released in 2017 for the PlayStation 4. Now, details aren't clear, uh, like crystal clear, so the level of which it's being remade isn't concrete. That's why it's being regarded as like a remake slash uh, remastering. Uh, But sources have confirmed that it will, at the very least, include these uh, feature improvements. Uh, The lighting system, including ambient occlusion, uh, overhauled textures, better animations, new character models... Uh, And another focus of the project is graphic modes and accessibility options. Um, And part of this report is that this isn't the only Horizon project in the works at PlayStation Studios. It's believed to be uh, under the tutelage of Guerrilla Games, but there's an online multiplayer game in development for PS5 and PC. In addition to this, there was an interview with Herman Holst, head of PlayStation Studios, where he stated that, uh, online service games could release simultaneously on console and PC, but he kind of doubled down on the fact that like, your single-player prestige PlayStation exclusives, those are still going to be likely a year out from console release to PC. Um, so that's going to be interesting. And then the last thing I want to know before we have a discussion about this is, uh, this comes hot on the heels of fans becoming frustrated with Sony releasing The Last of Us Part 1, a second remake of the original title that launched at a, as a $70 premium game. Uh, you already had a bit to say about this. How do you feel now, knowing that we're this might be a trend we see, and it, specifically too for Horizon Zero Dawn, as you played that game to completion. How do you feel about it getting a a re- remaster slash remake this soon?
1: Uh, that's lame. I mean, <laughs> unless it's you know a free update, which I believe they already did that, like not a full PS5 version, obviously, but I believe they did some sort of minor update um to this game when you're playing it on PS5s. Maybe it's just to increase the frame rate kind of thing. Um but if the if this is gonna be like they're they're putting the game out and it's gonna be seventy dollars again, it's kinda and we're gonna do the same thing where yeah it looks great. It looks a bit, you know, a good amount better than it did on PS4 Pro and and such. Like it, it feels like I that time could be better spent on almost anything else i guess Um, again unless this is a free update which doesn't sound like it especially when you talk about like okay adding in accessibility uh, features like that's obviously really cool and they've done a great job of that in general through all their first party stuff but assuming this is like the last of us going to be another you know a new 70 dollars title i kind of it's hard to get excited about that um yeah like i mean especially when like so many people are, you know, begging for a Bloodborne remaster, just staying on remasters and remakes, a Bloodborne remaster or um, something from the Sly Cooper franchise or Jack and Daxter. A ton of stuff. There's tons of stuff that, you know, Sony has in their, their ca- catalog that they could even remake that would at least be, I don't know, more significant, more worthwhile than this. If they're trying to, I don't know. It's not exciting to me i guess is the best thing i can say about
0: it it's like i don't know it's like focused double dipping in a way of like okay we're going to do this but we're only going to do it for the games that have already sold so we kind of have a built-in infrastructure there of knowing it's going to sell a decent amount because you know i I think sean Layden before he left kind of talked to this of like the way in which playstation was handling their business was unsustainable solely because of the fact that AAA games are becoming more and more expensive to make uh, and that's why you've seen Xbox pivot to Game Pass and Nintendo has done their own thing too. And I do think, that in a way, Nintendo is kind of responsible for this in that, to me, this feels like PlayStation is acting as if the PS4 was the Wii U. <laughs> when in reality, the PS4 is what the second or third best-selling console of all time of like, oh, not enough people got to play Horizon Zero Dawn. So we got to make sure the people on PS5, by the way, the console that people are still having an issue getting a hold of, have a chance to play this again. Um, I don't know it's very weird to me It's like a mixture of all of these things That makes it annoying of it being $70 of it being games that aren't That old or games that already had a remake um, I mean there was even the whole Hollow Blue with Spider-Man where they changed the Player model uh, well the character model For Peter Parker and stuff I don't know It's, it's weird man Like whether directly or indirectly All of this stuff continues to have Jim Ryan's fingerprints all over it You know it's dirty. um
1: it's starting to make a little bit more sense why why they did backwards compatibility the way they did this generation. whereas coming from p s three to p s four, there was no backwards compatibility. So all those remasters and remakes were necessary just to be able to play some of those older games, right on p s four. But now they were kind of, I think, like kind of pushed into doing backwards compatibility from four to five because uh Xbox was obviously going to do it and you just couldn't you couldn't have that, you know, you couldn't have that parody there. But they decided, well, since we're doing that, we're still going to remake all these games kind of unnecessarily to try to make back some of that money that we made last gen by doing a bunch of remakes, even though the same version of those games is on the same platform. Also still looking really great Horizon Zero Dawn again looks phenomenal and plays phenomenal on PS5s. Like Really well, it looks better than most PS5 games, like or, you know what I mean, many of them. So yeah, it, it's kind of like starting to take shape of like, well, this was this was their strategy, you know, is to do a lot of these remakes, even though they had backwards compatibility, they're going to really try to push uh, to justify their remakes, even though I don't think it's working. um It'll be interesting to see sales numbers for the last of us part one remake. And then if, if this eventually ends up, ends up happening with horizon zero dawn, like the same thing there. Um, Cause yeah, it's, I don't know. It's weird. It, it, again, like it's, it's kind of, I, I'm just not excited about it. I'm probably not going to pay for that. Um, So it necessarily, it isn't, you know, it, it, at worst, it's just like, I, I guess I wish they would have spent that, those development resources elsewhere. So I don't know what we're missing out of that they would have done instead, you know? So it's uh, it's not, like, the worst offense. That I, got. I don't know. It's just stupid.
0: <laughs> well, I think that is a point to make, though. Like, yeah, like you said, we're not going to be the people buying this, and that's why it's kind of annoying to us. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, there are games and projects we do want remade or remastered that would have us paying for it. And it is a resource game. Like you do only have a limited amount of resources to spend on stuff. So when you see them taking a focus on this, it's like, well, if they're putting all of their eggs in this basket, what other basket is gonna be empty now? Like, what are the ramifications of this in the long term? And not to be like doom or gloom, I think it's gonna cause anything catastrophic, but do we come to a place in which we enter this realm where we don't see like new IP, but rather the churning of the IP we already know like how many times are they going to try to sell us last of us games over and over again? Um, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I I personally, I'm not a huge fan of it to me too. This leaves me in a place and this is like long reaching out from a time far away from now. But like when we get closer to the end of the PS5's life cycle, if there's a new exclusive coming out in for me specifically I'm like well do I buy it now or do I just wait until I get the new PlayStation and they come out with the new version uh you know what I mean and that's going to be a question too so I don't know it's it's weird it's more of a it's not like I said it's not doom and gloom it's more of just a bummer it's like right all right i, I guess um i don't know it's and even- that's the, the strange thing too is when we we're thinking about um all these acquisitions Xbox were making and now PlayStation. Now I'm starting to think of like, oh, were some of these acquisitions they made of these smaller scale studios not to give them a budget to make bigger projects or more interesting projects, but did they bring in some of these studios to just be supportive of making these remasters or these other weird things? because um, that is a, a focus they want to have. I don't know.
1: And like, I know it's easy it's easy enough to say like, well, you know, it's not for us, you know, because we played the originals plenty. And so, like, this is for people who are just joining the platform so they can have a better version of Horizon, right? But I, I don't I, – if it's similar, if it's, like, not even better, more of a difference than The Last of Us remake was, then it's hard to recommend that even to someone who's new. Like, looking at The Last of Us Part 1, it's $70 or – the ps4 remaster is free if you are on like i think almost any tier of playstation plus you can just have that game for free and that and that's great and it's functionally the same it just doesn't look quite as nice so it's hard to recommend to anyone who isn't you know like floating in money to just go ahead and spend an extra 70 bucks on that and so if it's the same with horizon it's like i don't know who it's for then um And and it's not necessarily for me to answer, I guess, but (laughs) that's the question we have, I suppose.
0: The timing is weird too, though, because if this was happening towards the end of the PS5 life cycle, like four or five years from now, right? And they're like, okay, we're coming out with a Horizon Zero Dawn remaster remake. That would make more sense because A, it'd be like 10 years after the original, which makes more sense. And B, a point I want to harp on again is that the PlayStation Five doesn't have like has a, a good install base? Don't get me wrong, but in terms of it compared to like the PS4, obviously it's nowhere really close. And to me, I'm like, if you want to take advantage of getting this to new gamers, maybe wait for the platform in which you're putting this on to have more people, because a lot of people still don't have the console yet. You know, I don't know. It's yeah, it's weird. And
1: it, and again, adding accessibility features like well, that obviously opens it up to people who couldn't have played it at all before. For sure, um, yeah. But like, why do they have to pay seventy dollars? <laughs> you
0: know exactly. If the update. game's already backwards compatible on the platform, <laughs> right? Yeah, just make that. a
1: the, like how much goodwill you would get by just making that kind of thing a, a, a free update. It may like I'm sure it's not that easy, and because it's like more like because they're going and remaking it, probably they
0: easier than remaking the game. It, <laughs> right.
1: I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't love this strategy.
0: Yeah, it's it's so weird how. So I'm gonna do a little NFL tangent real quick. So the running game in, in in NFL is coming back in a strong way in terms of you know how the NFL is very spread focused at the passing game, and that's because the NFL, like most sports, is very cyclical. Like the NBA is in an era of the three point shot. I would bet my life on the fact that there's gonna come a time when the center comes back in vogue, and it's gonna be a lot of low post basketball that's back in the fold because thing, humans in general, are just very cyclical creatures, right? Things always come back around. And with the gaming industry, it's this weird cycle of, like, Xbox and PlayStation can't stop stepping on the rake when they just don't need to. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. so funny because it just, like, Xbox is riding high on the 360, and they're like, "Nah, nah, we got this. Let us step on this rake for the Xbox One. And then, obviously, the PS4 was tremendously successful, one of the most successful consoles of all time. And Jim Ryan's like, "Ah, I see that rake over there. I kind of want to go step on. And they're like, no, Jim, we're fine. You don't need to go step on that rake. And we saw, like, foreshadowing of this. Like, it was a really good episode of Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon where Jim Ryan started off his tenure with those really dumb comments. You're like, oh, is he just saying dumb stuff because he's, like, an old dude and he's, you know, it's what they do. But slowly over the course of time, we've seen just these weird, and they're not always bad necessarily. Like, obviously this game's going to sell well and stuff, but, They're just weird decisions of like, why do that? What The PlayStation stars, why do the customer service thing? Why give people non-NFTs? And I don't know, It's they're just in a weird place right now. Not necessarily bad, but just these. hmm. If we get the The announcement of God of War remake, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. Not the original God of War either, which that is going to cause a whole other discussion. Like, if you're going to remake any of the God of War games, remake the, the original trilogy so people can check those out. That, as opposed to the 2018 version,
1: that would be incredible. Actually, like they took the very first game, and yeah, just remade that, kept it, keep it as fast paced and action based as it is. Um, but remake that, that would be, come on, like that. That feels like a no brainer. Actually, that's a great idea, Jared. They should do that. <laughs> um, and it would, it would do gangbuster numbers in sales, right? Coming off of um, 2018 and, and presumably Ragnarok, you know. Maybe that comes out in a couple of years, in a year or two from now. Like, that would be killer. I don't know. And then you can even continue with that style. Um, Maybe start remaking two and three and some of those other spinoffs they did or whatever, or just make new games in that style or something. If that, I I don't know.
0: (sighs) Or just like put a small team to like do a slight remaster remake of the Jack and Daxter trilogy. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff to like. I, I I would argue, and I, have, I know nothing about this, but I would probably put a safe bet on the fact that remastering or remaking the original Dra- Jack and Daxter trilogy based on the, the scope of those games would probably be cheaper, if not just as expensive as this Horizon project. And mm-hmm. who knows That's if they cheaper. would sell the same, it, it probably wouldn't be close, honestly. But sometimes with these businesses, you have to do things that are optics-based and not profit-based. Um... And, I, I don't know, it just seems like that would go a long way for people. Speaking of weird decisions, let's talk about the future of CD Projekt Red. Mm-hmm. So they recently had this announcement talking about their future moving forward. So along with announcing the opening of a new studio in Boston, Massachusetts, CD Projekt Red revealed their long-term product outlook, in quotes. Very businessy talk. And showcases what the studio plans to focus on in the coming years. It's broken into the following three sections. So we'll talk about these individually, and then uh, I have a, something I wanted to mention at the end from uh, a Twitter handle that I thought was uh, relevant to the subject. So let's start off with The Witcher Dom. Obviously, this is the big boy. This is one people can't wait for. And all of this um, is from the official release from CD Projekt Red, so it's not all in quotations, but it all is wording from them. Quote, now, allow me to introduce our production plans for further years for The Witcher. The first three releases in our pipeline will belong to the Witcher franchise, and we've already started pre-production on two of them. said CD Projekt President and Joint CEO Adam Kaczynski. The first one is Sirius. These are all project names, by the way. By Molasses Flood, if you're not familiar, they developed Flame in the Flood and Drake Hollow. It's targeted for a larger audience, it's not a mobile game, and will contain multiplayer. And it is also set in the Witcher universe. So I'm going to go through all the projects, and then we can decide which ones we want to talk about. The second one, Polaris. This is uh, being developed by CD Projekt Red uh, proper. It's the New Witcher trilogy. There will be three games in the saga and we aim to deliver them over a six year period starting from the release of Polaris. It's a bold statement as we are talking about three large scale productions, but we really mean it and we have a plan on how to achieve it. Both the second and third installments will, in technological terms, benefit from the groundwork laid during the development of Polaris. In this way, we aim to smoothen the development process while at the same time staying creatively ambitious. And the last one, Canis Majoris, third-party dev. We don't know who it is. Full-fledged Witcher production created by an external studio, Planned to use Unreal Engine 5 and the tool set we are creating for Polaris. Whatever that happens to be. Uh, yeah, where do you want to start here, Dom?
1: I guess the, the core trilogy, Polaris, Okay, because that's I mean that's that's what we want to know the most about, right? That's probably what we're most excited for, um, coming off of The Witcher Three, and it's the most interesting because, wow, those you know three games in six years after, after knowing how big The Witcher Three was, and then also after Cyberpunk kind of going the way it did, eh, you know. I don't, I don't see whatever kind of plan or strategy they they talk about having for, to make this to make this possible I, it's hard to picture that this it feels very much like you know the, that internal timeline you have not for big projects as a company but it's internal and you're always like working towards things like that but like it, things naturally like they always just get pushed back to whatever the you know the feasible limits can be when you're go- scoping out that far ahead but you still have to have that vision but it's never realistic and that's why I, I say again internal is where that kind of thing should be kept and i i don't know i don't i don't know that I, we all need to hear about this but i guess maybe it's they're sure, trying to, to bring back some confidence after um you know some of the confidence that was lost from cyberpunk is maybe what they're going for here but i'm never crazy about these these it reveals of these long timelines that far into the future, even when like they do it for movies too. I'm always like, I mean, great, but call me in 2025 when I can actually watch the Secret Wars or whatever. You know what I mean? Like or 2026, like that just feels like it's not even a real world yet. So like I don't, it doesn't. But at really... least with Marvel,
0: they've already shown that they deliver on that stuff. True,
1: yeah, but it's just I don't I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, at least for. Yeah, so especially for CD Projekt, where, like, we have these hesitations and this evidence of, like, I don't know, guys, uh, we'll see. You claim to have, like, figured out all your crunch issues, and, but then can also develop even faster somehow. And I just, yeah. a lot of questions from that.
0: Like, the thing to me is, I honestly think this is a topic of terminology. Because, to me, mm. if you take out the fact where they say there will be three games in the saga and you just look at over a six-year period, we plan to release three large-scale productions. To me, that could mean I see it as The Witcher, Siri, whatever it's going to be called, and then two, like, Blood and Wine or big expansions for that. Yeah. Right? And that totally makes sense and is possible, especially with them talking about how technological terms, the groundwork of the first game will help the two other games be developed. So I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's language here where... To them, those big expansions, because some people could argue they are like their own standalone games, right? Um, And maybe that's a thing. But they also labeled it as a Witcher trilogy. They also labeled it as a Witcher trilogy. So it's like, I don't know, the crunch subject and all. How often... We're lucky if we get two major Western RPGs from the same studio in a five-year span and you're saying you're going to deliver three of them in six years that's wild and like you said it's coming from a company who just had to deal with crunch issues making false promises for a game that didn't love live up to the hype it made i don't know it's it's bold and i, I don't know i wonder if they're uh you know they're trying to do too much and they you know, they they think that maybe because they let down their fans with Cyberpunk 2077 that this is like their way to get him back in the good graces of like, no, no, we'll prove it to you. We're going to deliver The Witcher You Love, a trilogy in six years. Then again, maybe the first one is a proper Witcher 3 and the other two are full-fledged games, but maybe they're like more linear 10 to 15 hour experiences. That would be an interesting approach too. Or if it's one major one, the middle one is that smaller focused, ten to fifteen hour, and then the the third one. I just can't see how they delivered three fifty hour RPGs, which we expect those to be from CD Projekt Red in six years. Crazy.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Serious <laughs> really, from Molasses Flood fun. seems like it's gonna be a fun like arcadey take on Witcher, which I'm interested in. Uh, like we've talked about, even with Nintendo, with Cadence of Hyrule, giving studios these IP, smaller indies, and letting them do something with it could be really fun. Canis Majoris is interesting because it's a full fledged Witcher production. I wonder, my assumption, Dom, would be that I think this will be a AAA Witcher game, but it won't be a hardcore RPG. Because to mm. me, it's like, why would CD Projekt Red license this out to another studio to make a full fledged Witcher game? if it was a Western RPG to me, it's like, let's make a different genre of game and hand it off to somebody else, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's actually, it's kind of more interesting in, in that sense, because it could be a lot of different things. Um, maybe it's more the style of a JRPG or something very different that, uh, you know, sans like a cart racer or something, you know, they could go in a lot of different directions. So that's not that, this I'm curious about too. And because it's yeah a different developer so it's not getting stacked on top of all that other stuff we just talked about
0: man you know we talked about last week wildheart that new monster hunter like game from ea it'd be interesting to have a four player multiplayer monster hunter game but in the witcher universe i think that could be something really interesting yeah. too yeah, um uh, and that, it's that it kind of sense. goes into something we'll talk about later though also in this uh i don't know what you'd call this like presentation i guess that they gave Uh, So next up, let's talk about Cyberpunk 2077. First up, we have Phantom Liberty, which is the upcoming expansion for the game, developed by CD Projekt Red. Might be the only expansion for the game, the way things have turned out. Uh, And then the other one, the more interesting thing, is Orion. This is also by CD Projekt Red. The next Cyberpunk game that will fully unleash the potential that this universe offers. Our ambitious plans will require a lot of work, dedication, and further growth of the team. So I guess that isn't the thing for Witcher, but all right. Um... Quote, speaking of which, I have important news to share. We are creating a new studio based in North America. Next to the Molasses Flood, we are setting up a team in Boston that together with our existing Vancouver-based team, which me personally, I always forget that CD Projekt Red has a team in Vancouver. I was thinking of just in in Europe. um, We'll establish CD Projekt Red North America. This studio will be in charge of leading the development of Orion. This move will enable us to fully draw upon the North American talent pool. This has me excited because the proper CD Projekt Red isn't going to be doing double time on trying to deliver this three-game, six-year thing. we also doing the next Cyberpunk, um, and I think that'll be to the benefit of both projects. And I do think that I think it'll hopefully eliminate Crunch to some extent, at least for this project, that they're going to have two studios, the Boston one and the one in Vancouver. Um, This, to me, though, seems like a ways out, right? Especially with the Witcher focus and how they're talking about our ambitious plans will require a lot of work, dedication, and further growth of the team. Like, I think this will be after possible. Realistically, I don't think they're going to get those three Witcher games out in six years, but I could see it's two Witcher games and then Cyberpunk. Do you think that'd probably be the likeliest scenario? Or maybe even one Witcher game and and then Cyberpunk, who knows?
1: That's what I was going to say, is maybe that first Witcher game. And then the the Cyberpunk game, because it, yeah, that's not that much time when you, I don't know, even, I was thinking about God of War Ragnarok is coming out uh, four years after, I think there's some division there too, with when they came out each year, but roughly around four years between um, 2018. And that's, that's aggressive. Um, It feels like impressive that they were able to do that that quickly.
0: But it was still a PS4 game, right? It's not going to have the leap that you true. would not yeah. maybe expect a shoot strong of a word, but like it is not a full-fledged PS5 title.
1: Yeah. And so I I guess the, the comparison there being that it feels like to me it'll take you even much longer to <laughs> pump out giant Western RPGs, you know, even than, than the God of War games, which are at least a little more tightly scoped. So, yeah, I'm all, like anything in this conversation. I'm gonna like double the time timelines basically <laughs> for when stuff will
0: get done. The thing we have to remember too is they're going to be using Unreal Five for these projects now too. They're not using their internal engine. Remember that was the thing that they're moving over. So maybe that'll help with development as well. I mean, uh,
1: they'll, like in the long term, I could see that, but I feel like there's still like some change management that will, you know, in the immediate future, actually slow them down a little bit. I'm going to a new thing, but then, you know, once they get accustomed to it, probably long-term, that starts to, like, give its benefits. And maybe that's what they're counting on, but it all just seems so aggressive. So aggressive.
0: Lastly, a new IP. This is Hadar. <laughs> CG Predator Red, proper. We have begun creative exploration on a third entirely distinct IP, codenamed Hadar. We had started thinking about it a few years ago. Early-stage conceptual works commenced in 2021. And for the first time in our history, the IP is being incubated entirely within CD Projekt Red. It's Important to remember that both Witcher and uh, Cyberpunk are licensed. Um, they got the Witcher in like perpetuity. The Cyberpunk one, I don't know if it's a timed or number of releases thing. So yeah, this seems to be their first original IP. Uh, the studio will be in charge of leading the development of Orion. Or Sorry, I, I was reading the previous one. Where did I leave off? It is important to understand that we are not making a game just yet. We are working on the foundation of this new setting. So it's like, yeah, we're not going to see that forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're not going to see that till we're in our 40s, Tom. Um, They ended with stating that they'll be introducing multiplayer to most of their new games to, quote, enrich the single-player experience, which is such a funny twist that these corporate kind of guys make of, like, Oh no no no! In order to enrich your time with your single player experience, we're gonna add multiplayer. What? Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, you know, to enrich your um preference of eating uh hamburgers without cheese, we're gonna put cheese on all your hamburgers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: it's I I I can see like what they maybe were going for, but wow, they just didn't say it correctly. Like. Not to enrich the single player experience, okay. like it doesn't make any sense to enrich. Maybe enrich the overall experience would have been the, what they wanted to say.
0: Um. Yeah, it's very weird. And I made sure to read it specifically, and that's what it said. So I, I even like I was like, what the hell? Now, the last thing I want to mention: Rebecca Valentine of IGN, by the way, required reading. She did this awesome piece on this game that was supposed to come out but didn't. It was a Plants vs Zombies game. It ended up getting canceled for the Star Wars project, Within then that got, got canceled. Really good work by her. She's an awesome journalist over at IGN. She tweeted in response to all of this, three massive RPGs in six years. Sure demonstrates some commitment to not crunching, huh? Right. Which is kind of perfect. Of like, man, we just went over this, guys. <laughs> we just went over this. No crunch. Crunch That's bad. Good. How?
1: How are you going to do it?
0: It's like, you don't need to be overly ambitious. Nobody who loves CD Projekt Red or wants them to succeed is demanding that they make three games in six years, right? It's like, no one wants that. It's like, make a great game and we will be there because we believe in you, CD Projekt Red. You don't need to over-commit and overpromise and then ultimately under-deliver.
1: It just, I, I worry, like, it feels like, they, yeah, they're overcompensating for, you know, the, the problems that they had with Cyberpunk 2077 where, like, now, instead of I mean, who knows what they're, what, like, I'm sure they think they, like, they have a plan, and we'll see how it goes, but I just worry that they're overcompensating, and, like, trying to triple down, and sometimes you just need to walk away and stop gambling instead of getting yourself deeper and deeper, Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I hope everything works out really well for them, and I certainly hope that these games are all absolutely phenomenal, and probably be interested in at least all those Witcher games and you
0: know Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm still waiting for the Witcher 3 next gen update so I can play that yeah. damn game. <laughs> That's
1: right. That thing isn't even here yet. It's supposed yeah. to still come in 2022, but
0: Why wasn't that in the presentation? Tell me what's going on with that. I want to know what's A- up with that. Exactly. Uh, let's get to what we've been playing. First up, uh, slight update on Fuga me- Melodies of Still. Still enjoying it. Introducing new characters. Uh, recently met this like the uh, how would I describe the character trope? It's like the the mechanic who is like too busy for everybody's nonsense. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like he's too busy yeah. trying to make everything go smoothly, and he doesn't want to hear about the the casual interruptions to what's Man. actually going on.
1: That's like. I can't remember which Dark Souls games game, but one of the Smiths, you know, constantly hammering away, you know, in his loop animation loop, and then like he'll have that same attitude, like "Bug off, then if you don't want anything, I'm busy." And it's like, dude, I'm the only human being with a mind within a thousand miles. <laughs> Who else yeah. Smith work for?
0: <laughs> it's like I get you want to be alone, but come on, man, there's no one around. <laughs> you don't have to put up this front. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, earlier I talked about let's build a zoo. I don't have a whole lot to say, but um, you you're familiar with like the OG Harvest Moon games, right, Dom?
1: Not really. I mean, I know what it is. That's about but it. But you know how they're
0: like basically a 3D version of Stardew Valley, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, the picture. Okay, so you're familiar with Zoo Tycoon, right? Mm-hmm. So let's build a zoo is the Stardew Valley comparison. So like, let's build a zoo is Stardew Valley, whereas Zoo Tycoon is Harvest Moon. So it's essentially the same setup where you're building a zoo, you're looking after animals, but it's a top-down indie pixel-based art style. All the management stuff is there where you can control ticket prices. Um, The thing I like about it is because it's more pixel block-based and uh, top-down, designing your park is much easier where you get to set up the paths you get to set up the enclosure for the animals basically laying it out is much easier right you'd you'd assume that because everything is tile based which it is in zoo tycoon 2 but you're usually in that like three-fourths perspective right and you have to like rotate the camera and do all this wild stuff to line up things properly whereas this is all like grid based it's very simple it's very pleasing for somebody like me who likes to flex a little bit of creativity in terms of design um replacing paths and stuff is super simple as well um you earn money the cool twist with this is that the way it worked in Zoo Tycoon if memory serves me correct is that once you reach enough research points uh or a, a you know experience level you would unlock the ability to get new animals and more exotic animals So you usually start off with like a uh petting zoo type animals right and then you Slowly progress into your grizzly bears, polar bears, lions, tigers, all that stuff. With this one, the way it works, Dom, is there's zoos around the world, and they are looking for animals to add to their zoos, and they'll do a trade. So if you have like a couple of rabbits and you breed a like a hybrid, you could trade that for two snakes, a male and a female snake, and get those to your zoo, which is really cool. So it incentivizes you to breed your animals to possibly get hybrids to trade to others, used to get different species of animals. And uh, there's a whole black market system where these specific visitor could show up on any given day and they're a black market seller and they'll offer you the ability to buy animals off the black market. Uh, But there's a morality system in the game. So if you do that, you'll ruin your morality, but you can also like uh, snitch and turn them into the cops, which boosts your morality. And I haven't experienced it yet, but you can actually end up with some like crazy cross hybrid animals that are totally like illegal and shouldn't exist based on like the black market and stuff like that. Um, And there's like, you can set up a nursery where you can specifically breed certain animals. Like you can have your hybrid rabbit breed with a different type of hybrid rabbit to create like a third hybrid. It's cool. It's fun. I'm just like, it's one of those games I put in when I have like 10 to 15 minutes to, to spend and not something I'm like fully committed to. But it is a nice little management to hop into, and I've always been a sucker for like zoo games because I love animals and I love like management systems in a way. Um, so it's a blast. But my primary focus has been Fugue. I want to finish that because Scorn comes out on Game Pass on the fourteenth, which I want to play, which is the H.R. Geiger horror game. Uh, then uh, a Plague Tale Requiem comes out on Game Pass on the eighteenth. Yeah, and then Persona up. 5 comes out on Game Pass on the 24th. Um and mixed into all of that is Gotham Knights, which I'm solely waiting to see what the reception is on that cuz we had some previews not looking necessarily great or something that I want to buy at launch, but honestly because it lets you play as Nightwing uh and Batgirl, it'll probably no matter what be a game I pick up on sale down the road, but I'm still waiting to see how it turns out before i decide to commit to it at launch so that's basically it for me nothing else of note trying to catch up on all these shows and yeah i'm so embarrassed with myself because i've yet to start rings of power which lord if you were to ask jared what are your like three favorite fandoms it'd be marvel lord of the rings and then probably like i don't know pokemon would be the third one uh so it's embarrassing that i haven't started rings of power yet but i'm haven't started Andor yet either there's like so much stuff to watch and I don't understand how people make the time to watch everything. And it's one of those things, Don, where I'm at the point now where I'm, like, stressing myself out. Where, like, I want to I start it and catch up now, but I'm so many episodes. It's one of those things. Mm-hmm. And then I also can't – I can't say that I'm, like, scot-free and innocent in this because I usually spend a majority of my Saturdays and Sundays watching football, which is, like, I can't complain that I don't have time to watch this stuff, but I'm also watching football. But it's, like <laughs> – it's it's frustrating that everything comes out in the fall, but then that's also when football starts. It's, yeah, a, it's a pain. That. But that's 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 my week in a nutshell.
1: Yeah, that's that's why sometimes I actually am not always that upset when the Detroit Lions don't have a great team because then I stop watching them at some point in the year. <laughs> Freeing <laughs> up time. I wish more. I
0: had your strength. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so I actually have nothing really new. I've just played a bit more uh, Knights of the Old Republic and it's really starting to pick up. I'm finally like getting into it um in a bigger way. Um because I was not only is it a weird, you know, much older game, so there was that that hurdle, but I was also like in between games and again, mostly stuck watching show, trying to, you know, watch all these shows and that kind of thing. You it know, it's just been hard to get into a game again. Um so yeah, finally I feel like fully into it. Interesting things are happening. And I like what's going on. Um and I'm learning how it all works and that kind of stuff. So having a good time with that, especially because it's on Switch, and that makes it really nice. Um, obviously portable and easy to pick up and that kind of thing. But I'm, I think I'm now an episode behind on... Oh, yeah, as of today, I'm behind on Rings of Power. But um, it's been pretty good so far. I think I've definitely preferred House of the Dragon. Not that they're necessarily comparable, but that's just been the one that's hooked me more. Um,
0: we also but, have an entire other series that ties us to... House of the Dragon whereas like yeah I somebody would try to argue that like well oh you have the Lord of the Rings trilogy but it's not it's not the same thing it's not like not even similar necessarily like it's in the same obviously like lexicon but it's so far back that it's like not as direct as House of the Dragon
1: and and the lore for Rings of Power is harder um for me to connect with because I don't know it as well like I've seen I watched through those movies like one and a half times you know and that's it and I've not read the books so like it's hard, like, I think there's a lot of things that happen that I'm, like, people know of what what it means, and I don't necessarily. <laughs> um, well,
0: yeah, it's focused yeah. much more on, like, the lore and the language and the world building, whereas House of the Dragon right. is much more character-driven. Yeah. So it's easier to connect with there, too, yeah. But,
1: yeah, um, and then Andor is, like, um, it's too many. I, I need to be, like, I'm debating just waiting until all the episodes are out because, like, it. it there's too many, and they're not long enough for weekly release, in my opinion. I just – they need to, you know, put two out each week or something. Um, otherwise, I'd, I don't know. It, it's an interesting choice they make because like, it started out better when they put out the first three episodes all at once. That was fantastic. That felt like one movie ultimately because they were – That's so funny
0: connecting. because for me, I wish they only released one episode because I, that's what got me so anxiety-ridden is I would have watched the first episode of Andor if it launched with one episode – but it launched with three. So I'm like, damn, that's a lot to commit to on day one. You know,
1: it's like this, the past, this past week's episode had that thing of, um, yeah, there was a good cliffhanger and like some stuff's about to go down, but there wasn't enough that happened in that episode that ended on a cliffhanger. So you feel like a bit on like cliffhangers are great, but like you have to have had given, you know, more events before that too, in my opinion. And it it is too short to really have done that. Um, but it's still good. I just, well, I don't you know. It's all a matter of you know, talking about distribution, I guess, isn't the only thing. Um, but I will say that Mario Brothers movie is, um, that trailer that came out is probably as good as it could possibly be.
0: I loved um, that trailer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was like, wow, this this looks great. Uh, a kid's movie, nonetheless, you know, but, but I was like, wow, this is like as good as I could have ever imagined it being for that first trailer and i'm kind of excited i'm gonna go see that in a theater
0: the the (laughs) penguin the penguin bit is so my type of comedy where he's like do you yield (laughs) It's the funniest goddamn thing like um i love that they have deep cuts too like they have uh kamek or comic however you want to pronounce his Mm -hmm. name the wizard guy which i didn't even know he was going to have like a, a big part i loved that they used bowser's scale they made him intimidating you're using the, the Super Mario 64 stars. Um, all of it is awesome. I, like, I think people are harping too much on Chris Pratt using his normal voice. Like, sure, it's whatever. He's not, he kind of puts on a voice in one of the sections where they're hopping on the mushrooms. But like right. his, when just he his first lands, lens. he's like just his voice. Yeah. And people are like, oh, I wish it was closer. No, you do not wish it was closer to the original voice. No. Listening to Charles Martinet's high-pitched Mario voice for two hours would be draining. It would be awful no one wants that sure would i like chris pratt to put on more of like an original voice for the character i don't even care if it's italian sure but i'd much rather have just chris pratt doing his voice than the original mario voice no one wants that also shout out to the tease of like luigi haunted mansion that was cool Yeah.
1: yeah i picture that being like um like all the characters are kind of gonna be doing their own thing and then you know eventually come together in whatever ways and yeah maybe like luigi was just out getting spooked and uh <laughs> eventually he meets up with mario but yeah that was pretty funny and then toad uh i thought that worked really well that was hard for me to picture but now i can see it and yeah i think i i don't know, I wasn't to me like the chris Pratt voice actually makes the most sense um i agree with you um but it was
0: animation like, style looked incredible like it was beautiful yeah, it was i was cool. impressed by how good it looked because part of my worry was it's just going to look like not that the minions and and all that looks bad but i thought it was gonna look too similar no this Mm -hmm. definitely has its own identity like you can tell it's animated by illumination but it totally has its own vibe which i think is cool
1: yeah no i'm looking forward to it now that was a a great trailer it was weird little direct that it was you know presented with but um it's pretty cool jack black was pretty cool um
0: that movie's gonna make a billion cool. dollars. Like kids are yeah. gonna absolutely love that. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing too. Is I I like to think about, and you know, you mentioned this earlier when we were talking about the remaster remake situations. Not everything is for you, and I think that's a issue people have. Like just because you don't like something doesn't make something bad as well. I think it's something people get confused about. Mm-hmm. Um, something can be not for you, and it doesn't mean it's bad. I think that's a very like self centered way to approach things. And with this, it's like. If I was a kid right now and I saw that Mario trailer, I'd be losing my goddamn mind. I'd be so excited for it. It looks it's, so cool.
1: It's so genius from Nintendo's perspective, too. You know, if it continue, if it, I assume it's going to be good. At least based on this trailer, it can't. It'll oh be for good. sure. I think
0: it's going to be at the very least good. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so I think it's super smart from their perspective of getting, you know, another way to get uh, in front of kids growing up nowadays. Um, you have already sold. You know metric ton of switches and, and that kind of thing but I think this helps you know get their IP back in front of kids um, in a way that like yeah like Minions and some of those other uh Pixar films have been doing right so like why not do it with Mario um, I think it's super smart and it's going to help really drive obviously the IP like the, the value of the brand up of course but like and it really get more Mario games sold so I've, I look forward to the next Mario game now coming in the not so distant future. We hope like next like 3d Mario, whether that's the Odyssey sequel or maybe something different um, kind of a thing, kind of to, to jump off the success of this movie. So maybe at the end of next year um, or 2024, we finally see that game. Cause uh, I'm, I, this has me hyped for that too. I want to jump around on Goombas mm-hmm. and stuff like that.
0: Well, the thing too, is I think, People, something people are overlooking is how much is this gonna? The release this film is gonna overlap the opening of uh Super uh, Nintendo Land in the U.S.
1: Oh, good point. Yeah.
0: yeah, because if they can line up those two things too, like it's interesting. I know some people want like the MCU treatment of like, oh, we should get this movie and this leads into like a Legend of Zelda movie and all this and it ultimately leads to Super Smash Brothers or whatever, which is like whatever. I think that'd be fun for kids, but I don't. To me, the thing I hope is that this opens the door for there to be, like, um, columns for each of these franchises. Like, I hope this spawns, like, okay, we're going to have, like, the Super Mario Brothers universe movie. And I do think they could do the same thing for Legend of Zelda. They don't need to connect it to Super Mario in any way. But I do think that opens up the door. And for me, with Nintendo's property specifically... I kind of want them all to be much more animated. Like, I don't need a live-action Legend of Zelda. Obviously, I'm not the same fan you are, so you could speak differently if that's the case. But like, even, like, a Metroid game with Samus, like, Nintendo's properties to me speak much more to the animated realm, and I think they'd be much better in that space. And that's what I hope this goes to. Not necessarily, like, a, a interconnected multiverse, but I do hope that it's like, hey, Super Mario was a hit. Let's do a Legend of Zelda movie fully animated maybe it's not even illumination maybe it's somebody else but i do hope this spawns that and nintendo starts using their properties outside of games and making dope animated stuff with their things
1: yeah i hadn't considered that uh, connecting everything like that um kind of I, it would maybe just like a fun like a fun one-off smaller type thing of a, a smash bros or a mario kart movie where like it's not, it's it's kind of more um, My
0: guess, though, is that we get a Donkey Kong Country movie after this, specifically because Donkey Kong is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I do think a Donkey Kong Country movie could also work for kids because you have the family dynamic of all the weird Kongs, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I think that could work really well, too. Um, I wonder, though, if this movie ends with uh, Mario going to New Donk City and the way we get Donkey Kong introduced is he's doing the whole king kong bit on the top of the tallest tower kind of thing mm. by rosalina you know like yeah. she's up there singing doing her thing and we see donkey kong and set the like oh oh mario <laughs> whatever he was I don't know. <laughs> um i am intrigued to see charlie day as luigi though because we got a, a yeah. small snippet of his voice Just and yell. the part i didn't think about is luigi is often played as the scary cat and I think that's something Charlie Day could absolutely nail. Of like the guy who's like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, dang it, my mind just gave me. When you're afraid of everything and you don't trust everything, like suspicious, what's the word I'm looking for? Paranoid. Like a very paranoid character. We've seen that from Charlie in, in Always Sunny. So I think that's something he could do. And to your point of earlier, you mentioned all the characters are going to be doing their own thing. I hope Luigi's the B plot of him maybe in uh cuz it looks like Bowser's going kingdom to kingdom right to get the stars and it'd be cool if Luigi is trying to hunt down the star in like the haunted kingdom oh, so that's sure. his mission i think that'd be really cool maybe that's yeah. what it is is they they team up and they're like okay we all need to go get these stars and they all travel to these different kingdoms it'd be sick i'm excited though didn't think I, we would be dumb we talked a lot of shit about it yeah. last week maybe not shit but we're like is eh, are going to be good but i'm glad to be happy yeah. Um. Anyways, that's been it for episode 256 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please follow us on Twitter collectively at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. it's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. Individually, I'm at Jared Weich. That's J-E-R-R-A-D-W-I-C-H-E. Dom is at OB-Dom Kenobi, but the O and OB is the number zero, not the letter O. Also, you can follow us on all the podcast services Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, all that stuff. And, uh, oh, YouTube, go to YouTube, search, control, search cl- controlled interests, we'll pop right up. I got mud mouth there. We'll pop right up. Subscribe, hit the like notification. If you never miss a video, uh, bell notification, hit the like button. So it helps with the algorithm comment and let us know how, what you thought of the super Mario brothers movie. Are you excited for it? Uh, do you have kids that you're excited to take to? I think that's another aspect of it is. It, we're in this place, too, where people who grew up with Mario are having kids, so it's like they can connect with that, too, which is always dope with nostalgia and stuff. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it for this week's episode. We'll catch you guys next week. Uh, see you then. Bye.